0: to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday.
1: All right, so Luke has asked me to read our passage tonight. Um, So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 8. We're going to be reading from verses 28 through 47 um, to set the scene a little bit. Jesus has just taught a bunch of people. Um, Many people have believed in him, uh, we find out from this text, Um, and he is going to be talking to the Pharisees. So kind of keep that in your mind um, as we read this. So when you're there, say, I'm there. Sweet, I've always wanted to do that. All right, so starting in verse 28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father. You do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Um, let's pray. Let's let me
0: pray. I always, man, my heart. I don't know about you, but my heart's not always ready to engage with the Bible. I, you know, I bring in my own sin, uh, a lot of busyness, some anxiety, and sometimes I just need to. Step back and ask the Lord to prepare my heart. Maybe maybe that's you too. So let's pray. (coughs) Father, (laughs) it is with joy that we open up your word tonight. We know that it is profitable for teaching. It is useful for our own souls. And so Lord, I believe that you have something to teach me tonight. Lord, I will not rest until I know what it is. I pray that you would um, do that for someone in here as well, Lord, as we talk about um, this text on sin, and um, so God, just open up the word to us, give us joy as we open it, open the words of the hearers, and Lord, affect my heart as well with this truth from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So my title tonight um, is called, It's Time to Get Free. It's time to get free. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when we say, talk about getting free, um, it, we're talking about, we're trying to get out of a bad situation, right? Man, I started dating this girl, and I got to get free. I got to not, no, I got to get out of that bad situation. Um, some of you, maybe in here, are trying to get out of debt. That's a good thing, right? You want to you get free of debt. Um, I wish I had gone through school without debt, but, you know, I'm learning my lesson on the other end, and it's a good thing to get out of debt. So that's not what the sermon's on. It's about getting free. Um, some of you are, are trying to get free of responsibility in your life. You know, how can I work the, the least? Well, um, that's not a great play, <laughs> because the call of discipleship is a call to take responsibility. A call to take responsibility for your neighbor, for your neighbor's spiritual development. And so that's not a good good idea. But what I want to talk about tonight, it's time to get free from from the bondage of sin. That's what I I believe this text is about. And I I want to prove that to you. um, But it's time to get free of the slavery to sin. Jesus says that living in sin is like slavery. But when we understand his teaching and we know the truth, the truth will set us free. That's in this text tonight. And, you know, in my own experience, there have been, I have some wicked, wicked sin in my past. And I can praise the Lord that those things are no longer in my life. I have those things. Um, But I also still have problems. I still have struggles. Um, You know, I'm trying to... Right now, currently, I'm trying to work on or figure out how to, how to lead my family, juggle responsibility at work, and also lead the 20s ministry. And I don't do that perfectly. <laughs> I have insecurities that the Lord is still working on. And, um, but I know what it's like to be free from sin. And I'm confident that I will increasingly be free of the sins, the insecurities, the things that plague me. But I also can point to things that God has taken out of my life, praise to his name. I can point to things that he, that I have done that are wicked, that God has removed. And that is the promise to every believer that Jesus is offering here. Freedom from slavery to sin. Are you enslaved to sin tonight? Are, Are you experiencing, so let me ask it to you a different way. The positive, are you free from sin are you free? Right now in this room, are you living in the power of God? Are you experiencing him on a day-to-day basis? You know, I was reading Genesis 23 the other day, and Abraham looks up to the Lord, and he says, God, you have blessed me in all things. God, you've blessed me in all things. Can you say that right now? Are you walking with the Lord right now? If not, it might be because you are in, you are living in bondage to sin. And um, just thinking about that this week, preparing for this message, I was praying for you guys. I was praying for you because I do know that there are people in this room that are. I know there are people in this church. I know that there are many people in this city that are in bondage to sin. As First Peter 5 says that Satan prowls around like a hungry lion, right? He's seeking someone to eat, someone's faith to devour, and he's doing that with many in our city. Um, and in our church, and so I'm praying for different things. I want to pray for for freedom in Jesus' name tonight for us, I- increasing freedom for our Christians, and maybe freedom for the first time for some of you. It's time to get free. So let's jump into the text. So just to give you context, thank you, Andrew, for giving some context. I'll, I'll add to the, I'll join the refrain and add. So John 8, we drop into the Feast of the Tabernacles. And again, Jesus has uh, twice, he's proved himself as the fulfillment of the Feast of the Tabernacles. He, the first time he says, I'm the, I'm the, the living water. Um, rivers of living water will flow out of those who believe in me. And that was fulfilling the, the water ce- ceremony of this uh, celebration. And then in verse 12 of chapter eight, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And thus Jesus is fulfilling the light ceremony of this, um, of this celebration. And so the whole ceremony po- points to himself, and he gets done in, in verse 30, and it says that as he was teaching, many believed in him. And man, wouldn't it have been awesome to be in that crowd with Jesus? Jesus. Because it says that many believed. Often in the Gospels, people were filled with awe when they heard Jesus speak. This is one who speaks with authority. This is not like the scribes and the Pharisees. This is the Son of God. And I often wonder how amazing it would be to be in the crowd. For it says that many believed in him. And so I've always looked at this text and said, oh, this is perfect for new believers. What does Jesus say to people that have just believed? Verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the word here, um, it says, if you abide in my word, Um, what he means is if, if you hold to, you hold to my teaching. If you grab on to it, if you you continue in it. Um, Letty is almost two years old right now. That's my daughter, and she uh, she. But she you know she's doing a lot of different things. She's learned how to run up and down the street, um, out of my reach, and she's learned how to disobey, which I didn't have to teach her. Um, but she's a joy. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun around my house. But one thing she hasn't figured out yet is how to go from the top of my deck to the bottom. So what she does, she kind of goes to the edge like this, and then she starts going up, up, you know, and that's her word for everything. So if she wants to get down, it, it's up. Or if she, wa- she wants to be done with her food, it's up. Or if she wants, you know, anything, up is her word. So I haven't figured that out yet. Um, <laughs> but, but what she means is, Dad, give me your hand so that I can grab it and get off the deck. So I, you know, give her my hand, and she, you know, leans all her way, and she takes hold of it and steps off the deck. And I feel really strong as a dad, like, yeah, just help my daughter. Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge dad moment. But what, what, um, what I'm trying to say is that just like she grabs onto my hand to leave the deck, Jesus is saying, my disciples are those who hold on to my teaching. My disciples are those who who grab on to the words that I say, to continue in them. That's what abide means. And he doesn't stop there. He says, "Um, because my teaching, my word, is truth. Verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you have two things there. You have, um, you will know the truth. My teaching will be your guide. And the truth will set you free. It will... Free you from the bondage of sin. There's two things there. So just like Letty grabs onto me and feels the strength of her father, however much it may be, <laughs> a Christian can grab onto Jesus's teaching. Anyone can grab onto te- Jesus's teaching and experience the power of God in their life. The power of God to guide them. Right, my word is truth, and the power of God. For freedom from the bondage of sin. But enter the cranky Pharisees again. Some of you last week, I I give the Pharisees a hard time. You know, often the Pharisees are much like us. Um, But I like to give the Pharisees a hard time. Um, And so in cranky incoming, everyone say cranky incoming. I don't even know if that makes sense. But verse 33 The Pharisees answered him. Now the Pharisees were religious teachers and they they were looked at as experts by the people. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You know, you got to have a different accent for them. (laughs) So the Pharisees here Jesus gets done with this amazing, amazing two verses, and they say, "We don't need your teaching. We're already free. We're offspring of Abraham." And so, um, this is where I, my historical hat comes on. Uh, you know, I put on my historical hat, and I, I've always, I always like to say, if I could go back to school, I'd get a history degree because it just would be so interesting. But my history red light goes off, and I say, "Really?" You've never been enslaved to anyone? (laughs) Really? Israel has never been... Didn't you read Exodus? Egypt? You know, like, you were enslaved to Egypt for 4,400 years. Um, The Babylonian Empire in the mid-500 B.C.s. The Persians you were enslaved to. And even think with me, who's ruling Israel at this moment? what empire? The Roman Empire. You have never been slaves of anyone? Verse 33, they say. So if I was there, I'd probably want to take them down that road, but Jesus resists temptation, and he's going right for the thing that matters most. Because Jesus here speaks of spiritual slavery, and that's kind of what we've been talking about, right? Spiritual slavery. So he says to them, Verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And so that's my first point. Living in sin is slavery. Living in sin is slavery. At least that's the point that Jesus is making here. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, this uh, this isn't an endorsement of slavery, but Jesus merely uses it as an illustration. Just like the slave must do the will of their master, the soul that practices sin is not free. So what does it mean to practice sin? Um, two words that I like to think of um, when I think of practicing sin is habitual and intentional. Habitual and intentional. Because... Um, There is no man or woman that doesn't sin. So what does it mean to practice sin? Well, it means habitual and intentional. I do it often and I seek it out. I'm intentional when I do it. Um, Even the word practice is helpful, right? Y'all practice things, things you want to get better at. Um, in, In college, when I was in college, I realized that I had terrible study habits in high school. I didn't know how to work hard, and I needed to learn how to write. So I had to get really serious about my writing. I had to plan it out. I had to be intentional about it, right? I had to say, you know, at 6 a.m., I'm going to get up, and I'm going to write. A, I'm going to journal, journal my thoughts. And I'm, I'm going I'm to have to do it often. Um, and that's, that's a good illustration for, for practicing sin. It's something that you do often, that you, you're habitual in that you do it intentionally. Let me, um, hopefully I can provide some more clarity. Here's here's something for you to hold on to. You might be enslaved to sin if. Three things. Number one, you you have no remorse over your sin. You might be enslaved to sin if you have no remorse over your sin. And this would go back to the intentional thing, right? I just do it. I know God says he forgives me, but I just do it. Have you realized you might might have an issue with sin there? Um, Number two, you might be enslaved if you do not relentlessly fight against your sin. You do not fight your sin. You might be enslaved if there's no war going on. Because in Romans 7, Paul is, is talking about this war inside of him. He's saying, this indwelling sin that I hate, that it comes up, oh Lord, put it to death in me. It, um, it's this battle within him. But there's a war because Paul's not enslaved to sin. There's a war there. Um, my, uh, I figured out this week that Megan uh, has never seen the Rocky movies. Raise your hand if you've seen the Rocky movies. Okay, there's a lot of people that have seen the Rocky movies. There's some that haven't. Interesting. So I was, try- I was giving my wife a hard time about this um, but if you've seen Rocky, he starts out and he's not, you know, he ha- he's, he's proud that his nose isn't broken. He's a fighter. He's, a, um, he's proud that his nose isn't broken. But by the end of it, um, he fights the, the for the heavywe- heavyweight champion of the world. And he fought, fights Apollo Creed. And he just he gets done with the fight. And he just looks destroyed. I actually, in fact, have a picture of him um, at the end of this fight. So if it goes up. So that's that's Rocky in the movie. Now, it was made in the 70s, so it's a little pixelated. Um, but he looks like he's been in a fight, doesn't he? He looks like he's taken some blows. So it should be said of the Christian in their fight of, against sin. You should, you should be able to point to some wounds that you have. You should be able to point to the evidence that you've, you've been fighting. If you are not enslaved, it means you are in a war and you should be fighting. You might be enslaved if there's no war against sin in your heart. I just wrestle with anxiety every day, but it's just kind of how it is. I just It comes and I don't know what to do with it. I don't even, But where is the fight against it? You have the Holy Spirit within you. Or maybe you are enslaved to sin. Something on that fighting topic is, uh, Jesus actually brings it up in Matthew 5, right? He says, if your hand causes you to sin, what? Cut it off, right? If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. There should be evidences that you're fighting if you're not enslaved to sin. And then finally, you might be enslaved if um, you presume upon God's kindness, what I mean by that is it's not a big deal saying I'll just for, I'll just ask God for forgiveness but Romans 2 4 says that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance not more sin not continual sin but closer to God friends man living in sin is slavery it is bondage and I remember, I I remember living in slavery to sin before I was saved. And I can stand up here and say, the Lord has freed me from, from so many things. And He continues to free me from more things. But living in sin is slavery. That's the first thing we get out of here. But no, point number two is this it is important to get free. It is important to get free of your sin, of slavery. You know, we're not uh, we're not urgent enough about this. This is a crisis, an urgent matter of the soul. Why? You say, well, why is it important? Well, number one, there's a God. There's a God. There's a creator of this world, right? Yes, life is busy. We have our jobs. Politicians run the com- country. We have bosses at work that tell us what to do, and we get up in the morning and we go to work and then we drive home and we eat and we go to bed in this cycle. But above it all, there is a God. There is a God who created us. And that God is holy. Psalm 5 says that, uh, David says of God, he says, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. Do you know that about God? That He does not delight in wickedness, sin. That evil does not dwell with him. Um, A helpful illustration, maybe for this, is oil and water. Have you ever put oil and water and tried to mix them together? Right? I used to have this kid's toy. It was a tube and it had oil and water in it. And as a kid, I was like, I'm going to make these mix. And I would try to shake it and all, you know, it didn't work. It's because oil and water don't mix, right? Um, and I'm trying to, I'll probably teach my daughter that someday, that oil and water don't mix. Um, but the same is true of, of God and unrighteousness. It's like oil and water. Evil may not dwell with the Lord. And so that's a problem for us, right, as humans, because we're sinners. There is not a person on this earth that does not sin. No one is righteous, not one. Romans 3 It's important to get free of your sin friends there's a God he is holy and you've your sin is breaking his expectations you know there another reason that it's important to get free is judgment is coming we're all going to die someday we just went through Ecclesiastes last year and it's all about the brevity of life you're going to die one day And you're gonna stand before the Lord and be judged for the things that you have done in this life. It's important to be free of your sin, to be free of the slavery of sin. And it's also important to be free um, because it's it's a joyous thing to be free. (laughs) David says in Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose sins are covered, against whom the Lord will count no iniquity to joy. It's important to get free of your sin. But here are the religious leaders. Now pick it back up. In verse 36 and 37. They're blind. And so they go on to argue. So Jesus says, in verse 37, he says, I know that you're, I'm going to put it in my own words, but I know that you're the biological offspring of Abraham, but but you're not the spiritual offspring of him because my word finds no place in you. And then verse 36, it says, I speak of what I have seen from my father and you from your father. Basically, um, your speech reveals who you are serving. And Jesus kind of goes on to, to insinuate that they're of their father, the devil, that they're not following Jesus, that they're enslaved. And so my third point is, is this, you cannot free yourself You cannot free yourself. I hope you felt that I've been trying to impress upon you the, the need, your need to get free of sin, to get free of slavery, right? Oh, that I would be able to impress that upon you, but you cannot free yourself from sin. And that's the trap that these Pharisees have fallen into because they're under the false assumption that they don't need Jesus' teaching. That's what verses 37 to 47 are. They're just an argument between the Pharisees and Jesus that they don't need his teaching, that they are already free. In verse 33, they say, we have not been enslaved to anyone. In verse 39, they say, Abraham is our father. And in verse 41, they say, we have one father, even God, <laughs> and they're trying to say you know we we don't we're already free and so the question is, how can Jesus then say to them in verse forty three that they are not of God verse forty three says if you were god if you were if if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and am here this is a really interesting question because by outward standards, they were righteous, right? These were teachers of the law. They looked righteous. So how could Jesus say they were enslaved to sin? How could Jesus say that they were not of God? Well, it was because, well, what would, you tell me, what was their sin? What was their sin? What, were th- what was the sin that enslaved them? They thought they weren't slaves to sin. What was that sin? Somebody want to raise their hand and, and say? What was their sin? Pride. Yeah, pride, spiritual pride. Self-righteousness. Um, self-righteousness is believing that you are good enough to inherit eternal life. Because the Bible already makes clear that none of none is good, no, not one. We all sin, but here are the Pharisees saying, "No, we're free, we're good, we have righteousness in and of ourselves." In Luke 18, this is this is seen when the Pharisee he prays. You know this text, and he he prays. He says, "Lord, thank you that I'm not like the tax collector over there. That sinner, he's terrible." But Lord, thank you that I do all the religious things. I tithe, I give of my money, I do all these great things. Lord, thank you. (laughs) Because these people look down on others for practicing immorality, and they were practicing immorality themselves through their pride. And so while they... um, (laughs) They... It's just really ironic because you know, a lot of times we think of ensla- slavery to sin as addiction, right? Addiction to sexual immorality or drugs or, or something crazy. But here was the sin of pride that they were enslaved to. And the truth is that sin affects us all. So some of us are more tend more toward that sin, the sin of pride. Oh, look at me. I've, look at all these other people. They're not reading their Bible as much as me. They don't serve as much as me. That's just as much an enslaving sin as any others. Sin affects us all, and you cannot free yourself. You know, um, you cannot free yourself. Did you know sorrow for sin or, or being sorry about your sin can't free you? You know, oh, if I'm just sorry enough, then I'll be free of my sin. Well, I mean, just think about a criminal who commits a crime. If that criminal is sorry about his sin, that's a good thing, right? I'm, I'm glad that he's sorry that he stole or that he, you know, committed a, a crime or he's speeding. I don't know. That, that's a crime that I've committed. <laughs> um, you know, it's a good thing that he's sorry. But does it clear his guilt can the, can the judge look at him and say, you know, you're sorry, you can go free? No. If this person has done something against another person, that person will say, that's not justice, just because he's sorry, he hasn't paid for his sin. And just like that, just being sorry over your sin cannot set you free from slavery to sin. Just being, just weeping enough, just being sorry enough, just fasting enough, or or, or being downcast for a while that cannot make you free another thing cleaning up your life cannot make you free changing your ways right think of the same criminal right he has let's just do the innocuous crime of speeding (laughs) just because he stopped speeding again doesn't mean that he's free of the, the penalty of that crime If you owe someone money because you have a gambling addiction and you stop gambling, that's great. I'm excited for you. But you still have the debt to that other person. You can't just say, oh, I'm done gambling, so you're good, man. No, it doesn't clear the debt. And so it is true that cleaning up your life, changing your ways, cannot free you from slavery to sin. Acts of religion. Here's another one going to church praying enough reading the bible enough it will not free you from sin it cannot free you from sin only jesus can do that and then i want to return to verses 35 and 36 and this is the illustration jesus uses but that's my first point or my fourth point jesus has the power to free jesus has the power to free you from your sin. Verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let me just say this. Habitual sin, bondage, strongholds, they're evil. But they're not stronger than Jesus. Jesus. They're not stronger than Jesus. They have no power over him. Jesus has the power to free you. However enslaved you are, however far you've gone, however evil you think your deeds are, Jesus has the power to set you free. You see in this illustration, it says the son... The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. What he's saying is that the son is someone that is always in the family. You will always be in the family. And so because the son remains forever, because the son is in the family, he has the family authority to set the slave free. Again, this is not condoning slavery, but it's an illustration of Jesus' power because he is the son, because he has the authority, he can set us free from sin. Jesus can set you free from sin. By faith, Jesus' blood atones for your past and his spirit empowers your future. And so I want to end right here on, the, on a couple things. Number one, I want to I spend some time with those of you that, that would say you are a Christian. And I want to encourage you to believe the power that Jesus promises you. Too often we are brought to despair over our sin. Too often we are brought to discouragement. Yes, we should be sorry, but it, but it should not turn into a self-focused, a self-focused sin. If you remember verse 12 in chapter 8, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's certain, right? Whoever follows me will have the light of life. They'll not walk in darkness. Do you believe that, Christian? Do you have that confidence? Jesus sounds pretty confident here that the Christian's going to walk in freedom, that the Christian's going to walk in light. That the Christian's not going to walk in darkness. Do you believe that, Christian? I want to encourage you to believe that. And number two, I want to encourage you to run to the promises when you don't. Because I think too often sin causes us into two areas. Number one, it causes us to go to despair. What I've said earlier, sometimes we get so burdened by our sin that we forget to look up and trust the promises we forget that we have a, def- a a defense attorney, a an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, First John two, one. We forget that, and sometimes we swing to apathy, uh, forgetting that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Slavery to sin is a real, real thing. And my heart is weighed down for some of us in here. Because I can't help you, me. I can't help you. But Jesus can. Jesus has the power to free you, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how despairing you are. And so trust Him, trust the promise, repent of your sin. That's what Jesus says. Mark 1:15, it says, repent and believe. Repent of your sin, turn away from it, and believe the gospel, the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ's righteousness on your behalf. You could not be good enough. You could never be good enough. I'm a pretty good person. I try hard. It's not enough. God's law is too high. You'll never hit the target. So you must trust Jesus So I'm praying, I'm praying today, those of you in sin, in in bondage to sin, that you would repent, that you would turn, that you would trust, and Christians in despair and discouragement that you would look to the promises, that you'd be encouraged by what Jesus says here. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in verse thirty four, truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slit is a slave to sin. But the slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Father, it's a stark reminder of the danger of sin, the danger that lurks in all of our hearts, not only the danger of immorality and and rebellion against you, but also the sin that goes more unseen in our hearts, the sin of pride, the sin of looking down on others that can be just as enslaving. Oh God, reveal in this room, Lord, to those who can't see that they're enslaved to sin. Reveal into our hearts. Lord, search our hearts. (laughs) Try us. See if there is any sin within us. And lead us on the path of life. Lead us to hold on to your word. God, I pray for this ministry. What an amazing thing it is that you have a bunch of young people in this room calling out to you, wanting to follow you, wanting to leave aside their sin. And I pray that you give them power. Give them strength this week. Give them encouragement. The encouragement of your spirit. Remind them that your mercies are new every morning. Remind them that there is no condemnation for them in Christ. That they are victors as Christians. And Lord, help us to to look look to to the left and right. To those who we can help. And to disciple and to take up that take up our cross daily and, and to follow you. So God, I pray for small groups. I pray that they'd be fruitful. I pray that you'd be honored by this night. In Jesus' name, amen.